Welcome back to Ether Hour, everybody. I'm your host, Conrad Franz, joined as always by Dimitri Kalyagin. We have, you know, maybe one of our most important episodes we've ever done for you this week. It's all about, you know, a, a certain secret plan that you, some people may have heard murmuring about the echelons of the internet, but we're talking about, you know, something that is not at the forefront necessarily of the coverage of the conflict of the war in Ukraine, but very much in the minds of certain elite characters. We're going to tell you all about the details shortly. Dimitri, how are you doing? Doing great, Conrad. Just uh, very eager to speak about this you know, very unique episode. I think it's probably one of the few episodes in the English language available that will cover this particular project. And I guess it's, it's really more or less the futuristic, prophetic in a way, but not really a prophecy relating to us Christians, but it's a prophetic vision for the future of a certain group. And maybe we could even touch upon some of the conspiracies surrounding this particular vision. I think it's a really deep subject. Of course, naturally, it goes back into history, which, you know, we've discussed many times in the past. And perhaps we have mentioned this subject, except here on this unique episode, we're really going to dive, dive really deep and explore it in all of its detail. And, you know, it is a mysterious subject. It's not really, there are no, you know, authentic texts sort of written about it. There are no protocols, there are no uh, textbooks, there are no um, archival documents as such. So we have to kind of go off of the scarce information we have received from some uh, researchers as well as historians and even people who've converted to Orthodox Christianity. Yeah, and a few uh, elite statements, you know, people that have, you know, real wealthy people have set up, you know, foundations. They've kind of hinted at a few of these things. But you're right, this is uh, this is somewhat new territory. Not, you know, not that it's a novel and necessarily of an idea, but it is, uh, you know, it's a it's a plan that would see a certain part of the world, specifically southern Ukraine, uh, turned into something that, you know, it hasn't been for you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years at this point. So. With all of that, I think we're going to dive right on in. And of course, we are talking about the new heavenly Jerusalem, which this episode is going to be, you know, very centered on a specific region of the world. Like we said, southern Ukraine, the, you know, a place that we already talk about on World War Now very frequently, you know, the Black Sea coast of Ukraine, now, you know, Russia mostly. And, you know, this region, we're going to have a map. It's going to be on the thumbnail. And we're probably also going just going to have a image i'll have it in the Substack description just floating there so if you want to kind of look along as you're listening you know we'll have that so look at that but uh, we're explicitly talking about what you could say is kind of the region between you know the far southwestern you know kind of uh, panhandle jutting out into you know the border of moldova and romania of ukraine you know well past odessa all the way up to dnipro dnipro petrovsk and uh, as we said, the the idea is this is a new heavenly Jerusalem, meaning that this region has, you know, been designated by certain groups of people, by certain elite players, by certain Israeli citizens, to be uh, a possible second homeland for the Jewish people. And of course, there are some very large, you know, Jewish populations or former large Jewish population centers within this region. Of course, it's not super far from Israel compared to the rest of the world, but ultimately this is a, uh, ultimately, you know, this is still a place entirely largely populated by Ukrainians and Russians and people that speak, you know, Ukrainian and Russian, Russian explicitly. We know that, you know, Odessa and, you know, Kherson, we, these were some of the most pro-Russian places with the most pro-Russian militants at the beginning of the Maidan before many of them were cleared out. But at the same time, we know that 
a lot of these places are very Jewish in their heritage as well, especially, you know, due to their adjacency to the Pale of Settlement and, you know, the status of Jews in the Russian Empire. Yeah, that's right, because ultimately this particular project of this second heartland of sorts, the second Israel, it um, has arisen through, I guess you could say, historical necessity. And that's essentially one of the main sources for this particular theory actually comes from a very well-known Russian politician who many of you may have you know, seen, probably online, seen clips of him dancing or having fights in the Russian parliament. That's the, 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 the late Vlad, uh, Vladimir Zhirinovsky, who passed away you know, from COVID complications in 2021, I believe, before the yes him, his father, of course, being of a Polish Jewish descent, you know, he he had certain connections within the Russian Jewish community. And in 2001, I believe, or 2002, he gave a very explicit interview on Russian television, which was never really banned. It's some it somehow mysteriously disappeared from YouTube. But in the interview, it was a two against the interview host. They were called two against one, where two interviewers interview one particular interviewee, and Zhirinovsky gave a very explicit opinion and at that time he was the head of the Russian right wing, um, I guess you can call it Liberal Democratic Party party, LDPR. And I mean to this day they're the third largest party in the Russian Federation. He was its head and of course he gave a very explicit vision. He says, look What's happening in Ukraine now, after the 1990s, and we, why do we see all this least large Israeli immigration, and essentially the uh, Jewish communities are very, very much thriving in, in Ukraine? Why, why do we see all of this? He says, well, it's because they're planning to create a second homeland, just in case the Middle Eastern politics somehow get a little bit too hot and a little bit out of hand, and Israel isn't able to, in fact, defend itself to the point where all of, I guess, all Israelis would need to migrate somewhere to safety. So this, he was giving this interview while the Iraq war was still ongoing. So this is somewhere close to 9-11. So you can imagine Saddam Hussein is still around. Iraq is still somewhat of a powerful state, and Israel was indeed under threat. But perhaps Zhirinovsky's vision changed later on, in fact, but he never actually gave that opinion away. I think even, if anything, he somewhat spoke about it again after 2014 when he brought up the fact that, look, most of the politicians running running Kiev have, in, in many ways, dual citizenships and they have, you know, in some ways prepared prepared this particular area around around southern Ukraine, Novorossiya, Malorossiya, these areas, all the way west outwards towards Odessa as a potential new homeland for, you know, the Israeli citizens in case some tragedy was to happen from the Israeli perspective in the Middle East. Maybe the Palestinians would rise up, maybe Egypt would once again take up arms against Israel, and the Arab world would simply push Israel into the Mediterranean into the Mediterranean Sea. So as you can imagine, this for an Israeli mindset, this is a great tragedy, and the plan B would need to be prepared. Now, where would be the most, I guess, most comfortable land for an Israeli population? Where would you find that? I mean, historically, I suppose the closest analogy would be a safe and a relatively lukewarm, you know, kind of, you know, Christian, but probably not too Christian due to its Soviet heritage, Ukraine. Perfect. It's a small state, incredibly corrupt, and at that point, ready to be, you know, ready to be sown and ready to be prepared for something a lot greater from this particular Israeli perspective. Yeah, the, when it comes to, again, the, uh, the idea of heavenly jerusalem as a second israel and the uh Zirinovsky making the statement that you know they could be you know there's a danger for them there that may be a place to run away this ultimately you know comes full circle into you know 2017 when a lot of this project became more public with i think one of the most key players in in this which is igor birkut who is a, a jewish israeli ukrainian kazakh uh, citizen who you know has been a 
a kind of a key player in Ukrainian nationalist politics for a while. He was a so soldier in the Soviet Union, apparently was a reconnaissance commander in Afghanistan, and uh, was the previous owner of a bank in Kazakhstan, which he eventually sold off to to Russia. And he has been talking about the Heavenly Jerusalem project for a long time now. And in 2017, he's given all sorts of interviews and has talked about how he himself um, at one point brought 183 Jews from Haifa into Ukraine in January 2017. And they laid the first cornerstone at the foundation of the Heavenly Jerusalem, which he says was laid in the fertile Ukrainian soil. And uh, the preparations being made for the first 100,000 Jews to be moved from Israel to Ukraine. And then by the end of, you know, the later 2020s, they plan to bring 6 to 12 million from Russia, USA, and surrounding European countries that have larger Jewish populations. And, you know, he is somebody that led a party in Ukraine at one point called Great Ukraine. It was a smaller political party, but... You know, this guy is, uh, he's made videos, he goes to Israel and gives lectures fear-mongering the people there about the danger that they're in and how they can't grow food in the desert and how therefore they need to all migrate to the fertile farmlands of southern Ukraine, which these are, like, almost the majority of this are the regions that Russia has recently incorporated into the Russian Federation, explicitly Kherson region, which is the most, you know, f produces some of the most wheat of any region in the entire world, I think, definitely on a per- you know, acre or hectare basis. And, you know, again, this is this the way this Igor Burkut guy sounds like a low-key, very insane cult leader, but, you know, he has millions and millions of dollars, and he, you know, has the ear of many figures in Israel and around the world. And he says, you know, he just kind of lays it out that one morning, one shofar will sound in Dnepropetrovsk, and the other shofar will sound in Odessa. And then at that moment, when the sounds of the two trumpets merge into one, it will be possible to say that heavenly Jerusalem has come to earth. And, you know, this, this kind of starts to beg the question of if this is, you know, if this is a plan that is in the works with people from Israel, we know that, you know, while Israel definitely leans towards Ukraine in the broader supporting one side or the other in this conflict, Netanyahu and the Likud faction itself is much more interested in remaining neutral, because of their close ties with Vladimir Putin. And as of now, it, it seems that there's a possibility that the the plan of, you know, the heavenly Jerusalem and, you know, you could say greater Israel too, we'll probably touch on greater Israel in the Middle East itself in a second, but that this heavenly Jerusalem project is kind of, you know, perhaps forces conspired to lead to this current conflict to take place to, as some might say, clear out, you know, the you know, the non-desirable population so that, you know, a Jewish population could come in. I'm wondering your thoughts on that, Dimitri. Yeah, I think for most people since at least 2014, it became evident after the Maidan had occurred. And of course, the, the junta inside the Ukraine elected its first president, who, as we know, in the Donbass, Petro Poroshenko wasn't really seen as a ethnic Ukrainian at all in the Donbass. You know, we had we already spoke about it in previous A4 hour episodes, but the former head of the Donetsk People's Republic, Alexander Zaharchenko, openly called Petro Poroshenko Waltzman. So he believed Poroshenko was actually an ethnic 
Thank you for listening to the free preview of this episode of Ether Hour. I'm sure you can see why this one has to be behind the paywall, no YouTube or anything, you know, a very controversial subject. But to listen to the full thing, be sure to go paid on Substack, worldwarnow.substack.com. Links are all in the description below. If you're on Substack, you can just click right there and upgrade with that free trial. You get access to all of our other Ether Hour episodes as well as some of our premium articles. So I promise it's well worth it and it makes the whole operation here at World War Now possible. So thank you so much for listening and God bless. Yeah.